We'll look at this. All right. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Now hold your place there at 1 Timothy. We're going back to it in a minute. In, first, in 2 Corinthians chapter number 11, verse 13 through 15, it would do you good and do you well if you, re, if you memorized these three verses. They're a little bit hard to remember, remember but learn them. Get them in your heart. Re, refer to them a lot. If you'll read them over and over and over a, two or three times a week, they'll finally get in there. They'll stay with you to some degree. Here's how you're going to know these false teachers, and there's other ways, and I'm going to teach you on that sometime too. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13 said, For such are false apostles, that's false teachers, deceitful workers, that's what they are. False teachers are false apostles, they're false uh, uh, deceivers, they're, uh, they're, they deceive, they're deceived workers, deceitful transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. In other words, they transform themselves to sound like, look like, walk like, and live like. Amen. Get it all. We, if some preacher stood out in the middle of the road, stopped you and said, Hey, I am a servant of Satan, and I want to give you a track to show you how to go to hell. You know what you'd do? Roll your window up and fly off. But that's not what he does. He hands you a gospel track and says, Here, let me tell you about the Savior. Now, he's got in his mind that the devil's the Savior. He's got in his mind that doing works is the, say, is the way you're going to get saved. He's got in his mind anything but the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You understand that? Well, maybe the Lord won't switch the message. I don't know. But in, verse 14, And no marvel... For Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Remember back yonder on the little, uh, uh, what is the red devil eye, Ken? They had that little devil in a white suit with a long tail and fork and tongue and, and uh, horns and a pitchfork in his hand. And we laughed about it. But actually he is manifesting himself into the modern mankind. And so we've got the devil pictured as a bad, bad looking creature. So when they come to you with a Bible on their arm, classified as a preacher with a suit on, we think then that's not the devil. He don't have no forked tongue. But when he goes to talking, you'll find he does. And no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an What's that? Angel of light. Amen. Everybody wants to listen to an angel. When you come to angel, you know what Paul said though about that? If we are, or though we or anybody else are an angel, declare something unto you, but what we declared, that's another gospel. So just sounding good and looking good. Said, therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers. What's that? That's the preachers of Satan. That's what a false teacher is. He's a minister of Satan. And I've said for years, when God calls one, the devil get out and get ten more to go along to fight that one. 
also be transformed. I say, therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. I guarantee you, he will not preach the whole counsel of God. He'll tell you, come as you are, leave as you go. And come in, go out back the way you came in. He'll tell you, it's all right to take a little drink. It's all right to uh, dress the way you want to dress. It's all right to cuss a little. Amen. That's that kind of preacher. But he's going, he'll tell you enough about it to think he's righteous. Amen. Memorize them three verses. They have great swelling words. Beware of them that are well spoken of. Amen. Read the word of God. Every time, every time in the Bible that a preacher come through preaching, they were despised, hated, rejected. They wanted to kill Moses. They wanted to kill Elijah. They wanted to kill John the Baptist. They wanted to kill David. They wanted to kill preachers and they still want to kill preachers that are standing for the truth. They'll fight those today that will tell you the truth. Amen. Well, now let's go back to 1 Timothy. Amen. I maybe just got that thrown in, wasn't planning on it. That just popped up, trying to be led by the Spirit. Chapter 6, verse, uh, we'll go down to verse number 6 in uh, 1 Timothy. There's some, one thing here I'm going to preach or tell you about this morning that you can have too much of and a lot of people have. And you're probably going to say, I don't have too much of it. You probably don't. But I'll tell you, you still can have the problem of wanting it, desiring it. And the Bible said in, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse number 6, But godliness with contentment is great gain. Now, I found out this thing. That's not one of them you can have too much of. But I found out that's one of the things that people don't want hardly any of. Godliness. The Bible teaches us that we're to live soberly, righteously in this present evil world. How does God want you to live? Righteously and godly. How does God expect you to live? Righteously and godly. What are you going to answer for when you get to glory? You're going to answer for not living righteously and godly. So that should be one of the things on the list. God wants us to be righteous. And he wants our life to be different from what the world has. If every Christian in here was full of God like we ought to, the world would not want to be around you. You wouldn't have no trouble shedding the world. They'd shed you. I know that. I get out in the public, I know. They don't want to hear everything I've got to say. And I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about their soul, though. Not worried about how they live. I worry about their soul. If they could just see what God has done for me and how God is blessing me and how gracious and godly my soul on the inside is, you know, it don't always come out, amen. But I'll guarantee if it's deep enough in there, it will. The Bible said, verse 7, For we... Brought nothing into this world. And it is certain we can carry nothing away. How many times you've been to the funeral home and right before the close, the lid, they jumped out, one of them jumped out on the inside and said, Wait just a minute, I got to get this and take it with me. If it did, it'd clear the funeral home right quick, wouldn't it? 
You know why they can't and don't? God said they can't take nothing with them. Now, if you, if you take anything with you, it's going to be somebody else putting it in there with you. All you can take with you, amen, is, is what you brought in this world, which is nothing. Amen. You didn't have nothing. All you had when you come in this world was a soul, a spirit, and a body. And the spirit and the soul is going to leave. And it's going to move out and leave the body. Amen. You're not going out complete. Not to the resurrection morning when the Lord brings your soul back to unite that body. Bible, that's right, isn't it? For we brought nothing into this world and it's certain. I like that. It is certain. God's saying, upon the authority of my word, upon my being of who I am, you're not going to carry anything with you. Amen. I'm sure you got some treasures. You got treasures at your house that wouldn't mean nothing to me. May not mean nothing to somebody else, but they're your treasures. I'm sure some of you ladies here and the men too have got certain pictures that you've had and you wouldn't take, you'll say this. I've heard you and other things say it. I wouldn't take nothing for that. Have you got things that you wouldn't take nothing for? One of these days you will. Amen. You'll leave it behind. Amen. They may be precious today, but they won't be precious down the road. Verse 8, and having food and raiment, let us therewith, uh, uh, let us be therewith content. Amen. Well, we look at this. Contentment, verse 6 says, is what? Great gain. So we, if we've got food and raiment, we've got clothes on our back, so God's telling us we need to take care of our nakedness, and we also got a need that God put in us to eat, and if we've got food and raiment, it don't matter what else you've got. Your foot might be about to f- fall off. You may be half dead with cancer. But if you've got food and raiment, you're to be content. All right. And he said in verse 9, But they that will be rich fall into temptation. You can have too much money. A lot of people have got too much money. Somebody said, Preacher, that's the reason I don't have no money. Well, you didn't have that. God didn't say you couldn't have money. God didn't say you couldn't be rich. Abraham was rich. Job was rich. Amen. And we find others in the world. You found people in our life that's rich. I know people that's got lots of money, but they love God. I remember a fellow in South Carolina, never has stayed, never has gotten out of my mind. He was a deacon in one of the churches. And uh, when he was, he, he made a, he, he got him a, 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 see, I'm trying to think, a, not a department store, but a, a, what did, what did you get when you pick up hardware, hardware store? He started a hardware store. And he said, Lord, I'll give you 90% of everything I make from this business. Boy, isn't that stick, sticking your neck out? But you know what? He accumulated money upon money. He'd go to churches. He would give big, he'd write checks of big high offerings of everywhere he would go. 
And he, he kept that. And he said, I'm thinking about going to 95%. And, but God blessed him. He gave 90%. And his hardware grew and grew and grew and kept adding on to it, taking on other merchandise, doing things. And he had that testimony, but he loved God. Amen. You said, boy, I wouldn't do that. You mean if God told you to give 90%, you wouldn't give 90%? I don't understand that. Because God's told a lot of people to give 10% and they won't. Amen. Amen. That don't make a cheese too binding there, does it? All right. But anyhow, this man gave, and he had a lot of money. And there's a lot of people that's had a lot of money. Ain't that right? Having a lot of money is not the problem. It's what money does to you. And here's what God said. And he said in verse 9, But they that will be rich fall into temptation. What's the problem? Too much money. You can have too much. Uh, you said, I'd like to try it for a while. You might. But uh, poor folks seem to do better for God. Amen. Not all poor folks can handle it. Amen. Have you ever seen people today that's got a lot of money and they got everything that they want and never have to? Uh, you've probably never lived that way where you could buy anything you wanted to when you wanted to. Don't make no difference what price it was. You've always had to count your pennies and check it all out, hadn't you? I have too. But the problem is if you've got all that money, you begin to do one thing, trust what you've got. And you don't trust God because you've got everything. Our country's in that situation today. I remember even back yonder when I was just a young fella and didn't have no money, but it was rough to go borrow money because you didn't get money like you can now. There wasn't such things as all the credit cards you've got and the, and the lending op, uh, operations and all those things. And now you can borrow money, you can get money. I, don't, I, I reckon you can. Some people don't even work and they got money. And uh, we are seeing that happen more and more and more. And, but I'll tell you what happens. If you had enough money, you wouldn't worry. You know, when you're poor and you ain't got nothing, it's easy to get down and say, Lord, I need, uh, I need uh, $20, and it's coming up due, and I need it. I prayed for stuff like that. Amen. And you live under uh, the hand of God. Somebody said, it's from my mouth, uh, from God's hand to my mouth, and that's how I live. I've done that all my life, just about it. God's blessed me more in these latter days, but I'm telling you, the Bible teaches us uh, uh, what happens is they get temptation. You know, people's got a lot of money don't even think about you and me. It ain't got none. They don't even, don't even think about calling on God. Why they need God? I got everything to take care of me. Have you seen people with three or four new cars, uh, a big old fancy house, fancy clothes, a cabin on the lake, three or four four-wheelers and a cabin here and a cabin there and a boat. Everything they got, everything they want. And just about the time you think they got about everything they want, and they come driving in with something brand new. Now, I wouldn't want to live like that because I'd get to where I wouldn't need anything. Well, if anything, if the old roof leaks, I'll just get the roof and just come put on another roof. Amen. Get sick, I'll just go to the hospital. I got insurance. going to cover everything. What would we do when we didn't have all that? We called on God. 
Amen. Not too many Americans today can even see the hand of God working because we've got it all worked out. We done got it all met. We done done everything we can do to protect ourselves and take care of ourselves, we think. But God can take the billions away from the billionaire. Or he can take the billionaire away from his billions. Right? So we look at this. But they that will be rich fall into temptation. When you're in temptation, it starts tempting you from everything. Have you ever seen um, millionaires and multimillionaires and billionaires and... Uh, I mean, they just got more money in the house. Uh, one time somebody asked one, said, "When's uh, he got a little, big chunk of money? And they said, when, when are you going to have enough? And he said, just a little more. They never have enough. And uh, then they get down the road and guess what they do? They said, all these millions hadn't done anything for me. I'm not satisfied. There's still something empty and void down in my heart. And they pull a gun out and blow their head off. You said, if you're rich, you're going to blow your head up. No, I know some today that's poor, ain't got nothing. And I hear them in the news sometimes that they get down to it. And uh, they can't pay this and can't pay that because they've spent more than they, they can afford. Got themselves in a the financial bind and then they commit suicide. So the, what happens is money or the love of money. We'll read that in a little bit. What it does is it changes our mind and puts us in a place that we get in trouble, right? And uh, so we get in trouble with it. And so we can't tell the difference. And we get the place that we begin to think funny about it. He said, into the temptation and a snare. You know what a snare is? If you're going to, when I was a boy, we had a, I built rabbit boxes. And after school every evening, I'd go check in that apple orchard over there about if I'd caught a rabbit. That's a snare. You don't catch a bird. It usually deals with birds. But if you want to catch a bird, you put bait in it, and then the bird trips the snare. That's a snare. What a snare is, anything that the devil can put in front of you to trip you over, to get your attention. See, the devil don't necessarily want you to do those things sometimes. But he will put it there to let you think you can get by with it. He knows you can't if you're a child of God. But he don't tell you that. He puts a trap in front of you. They don't tell you how many traps the devil's put in front of you and me today. In the rest of our day, we're going to have to fight them, stand around, and we're going to have to go around them, jump over them, or let God lead us through them. Amen. And keep us out of them. And he said, but they that will be rich fall into, the, into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lust. He starts working with the flesh. Money will work on your flesh. Amen. You had a thousand dollars, wouldn't you feel better if you had two? If you had two thousand dollars cash, nowhere to put it. Wouldn't you like to have another thousand to go on it? If you had three, wouldn't you like to have four? When would you be satisfied? If I give you $10, or would you say this morning, don't want no more? Got enough. Amen. I dare say anybody would turn, uh, turn down a good gift. All right. And he said, and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lust. Lust that can hurt you. 
Lusts are those things that you desire. Those things that satisfies the flesh. And it could be anything. Amen. You know what you catch fish with with your into all this stuff? If you got, a, I ain't no fisherman, but I know this. You got to have the right kind of bait. Have you ever heard what they call what they call some of this stuff that men fish with? Lures. You know what that means? Going to lure you. They put it in the water, wiggle it a little bit, and it flashes, and the sunlight hits it, and the water gets it, and they think, "Woo! We've got a big T-bone here." Gone. He done got him. And that's what happens to us. Which drown men in destruction and perdition. But that that he puts in front of those are temptations and a snare. And what they're set for is for our destruction. The love of money is destruction. Not money. God didn't say, I hear people misquote it. Money is the root of all evil. No, it ain't. The love of money is. Having a desire. And that stirs up the lust. In your, in your soul. Which one, uh, I'm going to ask you a little simple silly question, but which one of you today would rather have $10 in your pocket as a thousand? I ain't talking about uh, anything, but wouldn't you rather have the thousands of 10? Everybody would. But what do you have to do to get it? That's the, that's the thing. Destruction and perdition. Now, perdition has to do with Satan and his ways and his enticements and what he does. And the devil is on the rampage to, to, uh, to lure us and destroy us and bring us into perdition. Now, we're saved by the grace of God, but as a child of God starts setting his mind on money, he can really lose his victory and won't have a testimony anymore. Amen. Well, I won't get into that so much, but look at verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, that means they desired it, wanted it, they have erred from the faith, and they've done that to get it. There's been a lot of people moved away from little old churches like ours, moved into the big city churches somewhere else in the world. And when they've got out there, guess what they've done? They have shipwrecked their faith. They've forsaken the things of God. And uh, then they've been pierced themselves through with many sorrows. They got sorrows. And their life is miserable. You certainly don't back up on your, on your doctrines. You don't back up on your morals. You don't back up on your beliefs and to get money. And I see that. That's why we got so many hireling preachers. Can you recognize a hireling preacher if you've seen it? Lots of times, no. Amen. You have to be a, a very good Bible uh, person to recognize a hireling. What is a hireling? Somebody paid to do the job. The devil pays his preachers. Amen. I'm saying that God's people, listen, uh, God's preachers are worthy of their hire, he said. And a good preacher's worth is, I mean, he's worthy. And thank God for the good ones. But also, lots of times, the hirelings get more money. Why is it that most of you preachers move from one church to another church and they always get a higher salary when they move? 
Name me some preachers today that has been up on the up on the ladder, being good, making good money, and all of a sudden God puts them in a little place that can't pay their pastor uh, more than ten or twenty dollars a week. What would you say about a preacher to give up all that? So you say he's crazy, but that ain't right. Amen. I've I've took churches that paid a lot less than what I made where I was at, and God's took care of me all the way. I've never had to. Uh, borrow money to stay alive. Uh, not for that. I borrowed money for other things, but I'm not talking about to keep my salary going. God has always took care. Even actually when the church didn't have money to give me, uh, and we've done that. Uh, we've we've finagled around it. I've been out in the public and God just slide a $100 bill in your pocket from somebody. God knows. And I ain't been out begging. Amen. And hadn't had to sell my stuff. You hear me? Hadn't been writing books to sell to keep my, my going going. Right. Well, I believe God takes care of those who take care of Him. And so we look at that. So He says here, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, some of them wanted, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. A lot of people are miserable going to some of the biggest churches in the world. Well, they well they done. Uh, they may be some of them go. To, you know, there's people go to churches because it's a better place to go there, and you get a better recognition in the. I know churches right now. I can name you half a dozen of them that there are people going to them churches because it's a popular church. It's because. Everybody recognizes that church and they're doing it to keep their business on a high level. Matter of fact, you look at some people that's pretty prosperous in business and, and start asking all of them where they go to church at. And the church they tell you to, they're going there for that purpose. And the church won't, pre- won't be preaching strong, but they got the big crowds. I'm not going with the big crowds. Of course, I'm, I'm at the place I don't have to worry about that. God keeps the crowds low for me. Amen. Or the crowd keep themselves low for me, one. I don't know which one it is, but you get a church that's going, it's got money to buy a nest for the rats and attic, all that kind of stuff. They can, or, you know, heat their dog houses, stuff like that. We've seen TV men, people like that. And it's people in local churches, too. Different denominations. It's all of them. Some of them are extravagant, but they're hirelings. You take their salary away from them and they wouldn't pastor. Amen. Find me many men that just get out and preach all the time just to be preaching. I know churches that are full of preachers and they won't preach nowhere unless somebody calls them. I've been preaching for all these 50 something years. I preach more now than I've ever preached, teach. Amen. I get to hankering to preach again sometimes and I just open my Bible up and uh, turn my computer on. I preach a little bit. I got sermons I ain't even put on the web. Amen. But I'm talking about uh, it's because I have a desire to preach. I've got a want to preach. God built it in on the inside. Used to hear a preacher say, I don't know what in the world... Would you call somebody and see if you can get me an appointment to preach somewhere? And I said, listen, God didn't call me to be 
uh, a manager, a preacher manager. But I know this one thing, 54 years or 50, yeah, about 54, 55 years of preaching, I have never had to hunt me a place to preach. God always finds me a place to preach. I believe God called you, he'll send you. If you meet his criteria, but you can't go do it your way, God be done his way. So you can have too much money. You believe that? From the word of God, I can believe it. We'll preach on a different one or talk about another one maybe next week. But you have too much money. There's some things you have too much of. Money is one of them. Not having some preacher, I got too much money. I doubt it. If if it's doing any hindrance to keep you away from God, yep. It shouldn't have anything to do with what you believe from this book. A dollar bill, a five dollar bill, a ten dollar bill, a twenty dollar bill, a hundred dollar bill shouldn't have any. Stand like a auctioneer there, didn't it? Amen. They uh, that won't keep you and turn your mind. So money is, you'd have too much money. All right, let's pray. Ask God's leadership. Father, we thank you this morning for the privilege of prayer, being able to call on you, being able to lift you up, exalt you. I pray today, Father, we'll sing the songs that will glorify, magnify, and just lift you. Well, we want to lift you. You said, if I be lifted up, I draw men unto me. And I pray, God, we'd lift you. Lord, I pray we'd uh, praise you, that we'd honor you. Uh, we are to exalt you today that we'll see nobody and nothing today at this church but Christ. I pray, God, you'd be lifted to the highest of a place of our soul. Direct the service and the songs we sing, the prayers that we pray, the words that we speak. Give us a message this morning from the throne of God. Give us that which we stand in great need of. Lord, that we go out of here spiritual-minded and walking in godliness and righteousness. And we'll give you the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right.